You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Yum, yum. Just give it to me. <laughs> I, just want, yeah. I just want to shovel it in my mouth <laughs> yeah. and enjoy it as much as possible. Really? And Matty Rose. It could be inflamed and discomfortable. Someone with my complexion. Uh, alarm balls. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio, bottom of the hour. NHL on Sportsnet's Luke Gazdick, Mitsoff Podcast. Talk about those scorching hot Vancouver Canucks who are in town tonight to play the Flames. It's Flames game day. And we'll talk to Greg Millen in the 8 o'clock hour. And uh, later on, uh, we'll tell you the best city to take a nap in in Canada. But right now, um, courtesy of our friends at Tom's House of Pizza, pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, CBS Sports, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Westwood One. Ross, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Thanks for jumping on today, Ross. How pumped up are you for this game tonight? Very. You know, it's just so much better, isn't it? When <laughs> the standalone games yeah. are games that like we're all excited about and can't wait to watch. It's just it's just better. It just is. Yeah. And so um and it, it almost I don't know. I think it probably would have been better if both teams won last week. Right. But the fact that they both lost on Sunday almost feels like it makes this game even a big like if the Bengals lose this game and they fall to five and five, that's not good, man. No. I mean, that that puts them in a pretty precarious position to even make the playoffs. Can you trust the Ravens as a legitimate Super Bowl contender with all these blown leads they've had this season? Yes, I can, but that is um that's concerning for sure. I mean, I don't I don't know how that happens. It's not just this year. Yep. It's been like the last 3 years that they've had issues. Um when it comes to uh the Bengals, um obviously uh they're dealing with some issues. Um is it just you know, uh, again, you got, you got to give the kid credit, C.J. Stroud, in that big game uh, for the Texans. But who's in more disarray right now? I, I know the answer. I don't have to ask you this. It's the Buffalo Bills, not the Bengals right now, with teams we thought would be Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Bill, uh, the Bengals had won like four in a row before they dropped that game, surprisingly, to the Texans. But I still feel pretty good about where the Bengals are at. You right. know, that was a really impressive performance by C.J. Stroud and give him his credit for that. He deserves it. But the Bills, I mean, let's put it this way. The Bengals aren't even close to thinking about firing their offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? Right. So that, 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 that shows you where the, where the Bills are at. Ross, is it, is it – I don't know if, it, if it's smart's not the word, but is it just more prudent to hire an offensive guy as your head coach in today's NFL – like, I know Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have done a terrific job of turning around the culture in Buffalo, but eventually, like, things kind of run its course. Do they need an offensive head coach there to maybe maximize uh, Josh Allen? Because ever since Brian Dayball's left, that team just doesn't look the same. So I think I think the thing with the offensive-minded head coach yeah. is that you don't lose him to another job. You know, the, the issue with the defensive-minded head coach is that if you have success like the Bills did, then your offensive coordinator who's calling the plays, he's going to end up getting snatched up as a head coach somewhere else. Right. 
But I think it's really more about if you bring in a defensive-minded head coach, if you have success, you're going to lose your offensive play caller, and so that creates issues, right? Like, that, that's not good, and I don't think Allen's been as good since Dable left. Um, he leads the league in interceptions, Ross. I know Ken Dorsey's the fall guy in all of this, but how much does this lie on Josh Allen? Well, a decent amount, and you're right about leading the league in interceptions. And, you know, I think this is just kind of who he is now. You know what I mean? Like, I almost feel like we are at the Carson Wentz part of the Josh Allen. Really? I don't mean – Relax, relax. Let me get to my point. Okay, yeah. It's not a Taysom Hill clip, Ross. We're not going to do that here. I got you. No, Josh Allen is way better than Carson Wentz, right? Like, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is in Philadelphia, Carson Wentz was like MVP caliber in 2017. Yeah. And then not quite as good in 2018 or 2019, but still pretty good, but would turn the ball over too much, and everybody kept saying, he's got to get back to 2017. Got to get back to 2017. And at some point, we just kind of accepted that this is who Wentz is. Like, Wentz is inconsistent. He's going to have bonehead plays. This is who he is. I think in terms of Josh Allen and turnovers, I think you just kind of have to accept at this point this is who he is. I mean, I think he has the most turnovers over the last six years. He definitely has the most turnovers over the last two years. So I think at some point, maybe a coordinator could come in and help him a little bit. Mm. But unless they take more off of his plate or they get the run game going, I just think Allen is going to be a guy that fumbles sometimes and throws some interceptions. And you just kind of have to accept that. He's still a really good quarterback. You know, he's still a top five guy, but he's going to turn it over more than a lot of the other top five guys do. Have they never recovered from 13 seconds in Kansas City? Um, yeah, I think there's probably some truth to that. I, I think, I don't know, they went 13-3 and three last year. But then they blamed, you know, what happened at the end of the year and, and the postseason. They felt like that was because of DeMar Hamlin or whatever. Right. And... You know, I just – I thought they got outcoached and outplayed in the postseason. And this year, I think they're kind of picking up where they left off in the postseason. You know, it's kind of like um, you look at them and they're playing well on defense, but they lost two of their best defensive players, Milano and Tredavious White. Right. And then offensively, you know, I think they've got some talent, but like their second wide receiver is Gabe Davis. He's not like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. You know, he's not like a, a a true star number two receiver like these other good teams have. And so I think you look at the Bills, they don't run it that great, although they ran it pretty well Monday night, but you just look at them and like, maybe they're not as talented as we think they are. Hmm. I think we think they're really talented because Josh Allen's awesome and Stephon Diggs is awesome, but – I'm not sure they have any other awesome guys or guys that really scare you. You mentioned Stephon Diggs, his brother Trayvon Diggs, tweeting out during the game, tweeting out the next morning, insinuating that Stephon might need to get out of Buffalo. What was your reaction to this, and and what is your reaction generally when things like this become 
known on social media because it's not something that you would have seen during your playing days. Yeah, I I'm not I'm not a fan. Um, I'm not a fan with anything public like that. If you're unhappy, now obviously that was his brother, so that was not Stefan. So Stefan can't handle like you know, but I don't think Trayvon would like if Stefan did that about something in with Trayvon in Dallas. I just don't think he handled it that well that that way. I, I was really disappointed by that. Really disappointed. How does that help anything? How does that help the situation at all? Um, it just makes it worse, and um, not a, not a fan of. I mean, I don't know what's going on privately or what's been said, but not not a fan of uh, of sort of the uh, the public acts of frustration. Do you ever think about what it would have been like if social media was as popular during your playing days as it is now? Like, I wonder what it would have been like if Ocho Cinco or T.O. had hopped on Twitter after a big game because it, it just felt like their personalities were larger than life. Oh, my gosh. Those guys would have been all over social media. <laughs> Thank God we didn't have social media like we do now when those guys were playing because, yes, that would have been major for them. Um, look, it's, it's a really beneficial thing to a lot of people, including myself, mm -hmm. in terms of getting my content out there and growing my brand. And obviously active players now do a great job with it. I just, I, I don't, I, I don't like the negative part of it. Um, especially if you're not, if you're not saying that stuff in person, I, I guess I'm just a believer. Like if you have an issue with somebody or you're unhappy, talk to them, talk to them about it, Let, ha have that discussion as opposed to whatever it is that, that some of these guys do on social media now. Mm. I think that's I think that's a little ridiculous to just talk our things out. That feels a little far-fetched for me, Ross, but we'll work on it, I guess. Uh, AFC North feels like it could really be... This feels like a crossing road because obviously we have the Bengals and Ravens tonight, but you got the Steelers and Browns later on in the weekend as well, and all four of these teams have winning records. Do you think this is going to be the week that we look back and say this is where the AFC North was decided? Yeah, I do. I, I actually do. Now, there's a lot of football after this, but you start to look at these teams. I think it's a big swing game, both these games. You know, tonight, Ravens, Bengals, Sunday, Brown Steelers, obviously no Deshaun Watson now, which is horrible and a major bummer. But sometimes you guys know how that is. Like when the opponent realizes the other team doesn't have their starting quarterback, I don't think they let up on purpose, but it's like they for whatever reason they don't they don't play as well, and there's a little bit of a like they let their guard down when they subsequently play against a backup quarterback. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns win that game. Ross Tucker um, from the uh, CBS Sports, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Westwood One, joining us courtesy of Tom's House of Pizza. Can the Minnesota Vikings make the playoffs? Yeah, they can. Um, I think they're going to be right in the mix. They believe now. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy that they've won five in a row without their best player. And J Justin Jefferson and the last couple without their franchise quarterback. I mean, I don't know who else is in the running for coach of the year. I guess probably Dan Campbell, um, you know, maybe Mike Tomlin, 
or D'Amico Ryan, but my vote for coach of the year right now would pretty clearly be Kevin O'Connell. I mean, to be six and four, especially the way they started and with everything that's happened, it's crazy impressive. Um, Ross, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Um, I, I love Dan Campbell. I love what he's all about. I love the fact that the team plays, you know, his style of football, the passions infectious in that Lions locker room. The only thing maybe I have an issue with, and I want to get your opinion is there's just too much risk taking. You're not an Owen 16 team anymore. You're a team that literally has Super Bowl aspirations. And I know they go four of five on fourth down against the chargers on Sunday and they win that game. But come January, I don't know if you should be taking as many risks as they do. What's your thought on their just Uber aggressiveness? Yeah. I I mean, I kind of love it. I kind of love it, and it's worked out for them, and Mm -hmm. sometimes maybe it won't, but that's that's their identity. That's who they are, and it feels like it's worked out more often than it hasn't, and is there a chance that when you get to January, it backfires on them once? Yeah, maybe, but they might not even be in that position in January if it weren't for the aggressiveness now. Can they be both the Niners or Eagles in a playoff game? Can who? The Lions. Yeah, I think they can. I think they're that good. That's crazy. Now, I think it'd probably be tough for them to do it back-to-back, and I don't, I don't know that I expect it, would expect them to get that done, which is why trying to get the number one seed is so critical, right? Like right. I, they, they have a good chance. You look at their schedule. You look at the Eagles' schedule. Lions have a good chance to be the number one seed. Then we're having a totally different conversation. Then they get a bye. Then they play somebody other than likely the Niners or the Eagles in the in the in the semifinals. That's that's awesome. Or the divisional round. Then they got a real chance. Where are you leaning for the family reunion bowl here on Monday? This should be an absolute doozy. Yeah, I think I would lean. Uh, I think I would lean to the Chiefs playing a home uh, night game. That place is crazy loud. Andy Reid coming off a bye. But I think it'll be an awesome close game. I'm looking forward to it. What was the better music-related note that's kind of related to this game? Travis Kelsey being part of a Taylor Swift lyric or Jason Kelsey's Christmas album dropping this week? Um, say that one more time. There was two musically-related <laughs> notes to this game on Monday. It was a very confusing question. It's my fault. But Taylor Swift. Obviously, changed the lyrics, added Taylor, uh, added uh, Travis Kelsey reference in. We saw that video over the weekend. And then, on top of that, you have Jason Kelsey's Christmas album with Jordan Mailata and the rest of the offensive line coming out really soon with his single dropping. Did one of those resonate with you more than the other? Well, I saw the, uh, I saw the video of Taylor saying, Karma is a guy that plays for the Chiefs yes. or whatever. So I guess that did resonate with me. Um, and I haven't heard the Christmas album yet, but I love the O-line. I love the Eagles O-line. So um, I guess the Taylor Swift one resonated more now, but let me get a chance to listen to some of the O-line Christmas album. I might change my answer. Yeah. Also, uh, Travis apparently is upset that he left Taylor's dad hanging for a high five. Yeah. He didn't see it. Yeah, he was pretty Have upset. you ever had a high five in your life, Ross, that you left somebody <laughs> hanging that you regret? Um. No. Okay. I don't think I have left. So, so I didn't know he left. He left Scott hanging. Yeah, 
accidentally. He didn't mean to. It was in Argentina. There was a lot going on. He just left him hanging a little bit. I see that video. That's interesting. I know there's a lot of controversy about Taylor's dad having a a Chiefs lanyard because he's an Eagles fan. Mm -hmm. It's a big big deal. It's a big matchup. Yeah, Travis has uh, flipped him over to the dark side, as he Mm. said on New Heights earlier this week. Hey, um, Ross, I did want to ask you, just before we let you go, have you ever had an e-card sent to you before? Yeah. Listen, I sent an e-card to my aunt on the other side of the country, and it just got lost in her spam folder. And she didn't realize that I had wished her a Merry Christmas last year. Do you have any ideas, something that's more tangible that I can maybe send to her? Oh, man. I, I, for a second, I didn't realize you were teeing me up on my front page story. That's great. That He's was, a wizard. That was back door, that one. Yeah. Like, like how much did he, awesome. Ross, Ross. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. How much did he make up, Ross, for the musical question? And then he tees you up for that. What a wizard. Hold on a second, though. Do not send people e-cards. Yes. Okay. That's what I'm saying. It does go to a spam filter. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you're too lazy to actually do something. Yeah. I mean, come on. Do not send people e-cards. Go to myfrontpagestory.com and get your mom or, what would you say, your aunt? Who sent an e-card to your aunt? I think you just made that whole thing up. I don't believe any of that. I did. Get her a gift at myfrontpagestory.com that truly tells her how you feel, how much you love her, how you appreciate her. Imagine handing someone something that looks like they're on the cover of the newspaper framed beautiful pictures she will cry tears of joy when she reads some of the quotes it's myfrontpagestory.com myfrontpagestory.com how about one more time in case that guy what's that that website again didn't hear me right yep myfrontpagestory.com um ross i'm proud of ourselves we talked football for the whole interview we talked joey chestnut for 15 minutes last week (laughs) It was not football the whole interview. We're talking about e-cards yep. and music. You're right. Okay. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Myfrontpagestory.com. Yep. There he is, Ross Tucker, NFL analyst, CBS Sports, <laughs> Ross Tucker football podcast. Courtesy of our friends of Tom's House of Pizza. Pizza made to perfection with locations in Calgary and Okotoks. You, um... There's one thing that you do What's that? extremely well in life is just tee up Ross on my friend. It's, it is a gift. You're right, GVP. It is it's a, a gift. gift. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. You know, like, yeah, you I think put it's, that on my reel and maybe that on the job. CV. Yeah, it's yeah. one of your greatest uh, attributes. Maybe one day I'll be able to sell crap on TV. It'd be great. And do commercials. commercials. Yeah. 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 Like Phil well, Swift. Yeah. Black yeah. Seal. Yeah. What about the thing where he's on the boat? Yeah, I thought that it the looks so boat. fake. The it screen looks, door. It looks yeah. like it looks like it's like a, a CGI boat, but no, I, it actually, no, he flex seals that boat. They framed that thing, and yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Phil Swift. Hey, whatever happened to uh, Vince from Slap Chop? He's all right. Is he in jail? Is, no, no. Is he? The thing is, like, no, he, that whole he story, had some issues. That he did what he did. For he got a canceled. He, but it's. I, I, I defend Vince a little bit. Okay, okay well, well, is that a hill you're going to die on? Well, I defend. The <laughs> whole situation is a NHL little messed up. Vince defending. Wow. No, I, 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 had <laughs> NHL, I, I had NHL strike lockout visions there. That's the hill they're going to die on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He's oh a podcast God. now. He the does. Sh- the Sham Wow Guy Show. Really? Yes. <laughs> no way. That's what it's called. <laughs> the Sham Wow Guy Show. Yeah, it's on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. No. Uh, martini, bikini. 
Yeah. You're going to love my nuts. Phil Swift. Yeah, <laughs> You're going to love my nuts. Phil Swift's beard. Wow, well, he's only done two episodes. Yeah, Phil Swift's beard could probably <laughs> deflect a bullet. That thing is so thick. Only two episodes. With his flex seal. Yeah, the debut, right. and then he talked. Uh, oh. <laughs> Takes on Wokeism and, and Howard Stern. Stern. <laughs> Great. <laughs> must, what happened, man? Must listen to that. This uh, offer. Luke Gazdick, <laughs> NHL on Sportsnet analyst, mitts off podcast. He's here to fight our fight. Yeah. yeah. Um, Luke Gazdick, straight ahead. And to wrap up the hour, I'm going to tell you um, what Canada's uh, the best city to take a nap in. Oh. Oh. Because it's. You framed that differently earlier. Yeah. Best city to take a nap in. Yeah. Is, is hmm. it Thunder Bay? No, big why, Thunder why, Bay. Why would it be Thunder I Bay? Sleep all the time in Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, uh, big ski jump hill there, big thunder. Oh, is it just, yeah, I don't know if it's still operational. Uh, that's one of the things <laughs> I was super disappointed with here is that the ski the the the, the ski jump hill doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it's they abandoned. They, they stopped taking yeah, care of that thing. Why? I don't know. There's no what, they funding. Don't, they don't run at the <laughs> World Championships here anymore of ski jumping. They want to see Finnish guys just leap off. Oh, they go to thing. Norway to that Lillehammer. Probably. Yeah, not. I get it. I don't know what um, I think. I'm some sort of Nordic wizard. I don't know. I'm they just saying. They, I, think I think it's sad. I think the bobsleigh and luge luge are open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then, it's like right there, and the yeah. and the and the, the hill. Yard. Yeah, but, but the ski jumps they they don't they haven't been used in a while. Oh, disappointing. Yeah, it is. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they are cool. When you you see that, you're like, whoa. Convert them into apartments. Okay. <laughs> All right. The ski jump apartments. All right, there's, a, there's an idea for Look you. At you being creative. Yeah, idea um, it's man. A terrible location though. Um, you can't get anywhere. There's All right, roads up there. Yeah. All right. Um, Luke Asdick <laughs> next. Yeah, what do you know? Yeah, you've been know. up there. You ever been up there? Is that? I've been there like twice know? in my that's life. Pascapoose, <laughs> that's Pascapoo slopes up I've, there. I've been to Windsport yeah. like twice in my life. Hey, get down the back way, old Cougar Ridge, you know? Old Banff Coach Go Road. Go take Old oh, Banff Coach course. Road. And, uh, Banff down Coach there Road. Down there up the south head down Boat Trail. It's, Banff uh, Coach the, Road. The Ring Road actually gets halfway through. You get you have to turn a Boat yeah, Trail Yeah, right there between Stony and the old Banff. Okay. You get out to the west more often. Luke Gazdick next on those scorching hot Canucks. <laughs> Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. NHL on Sportsnet's Greg Millen will join us. Tee up the Flames and Canucks. We'll wrap up uh, this hour uh, with the best city in Canada to take a nap. We'll do that. But right now, uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, the Mitsoff podcast on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar guest hotline. Luke, good morning. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? We're good. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Luke, more surprising, the Canucks start or the Oilers start? Oh, man. Uh, probably the Oilers, honestly. Okay. I don't think anyone saw Vancouver coming, but it's believable. Like, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, you got guys buying in and guys that can score. But for me, it's the position that the Oilers have put themselves in. Um, we had a conversation, want to get your opinion on it. Quinn Hughes scoring the winner last night, the captain of the team. He's been fantastic. Is he the second best defenseman in the NHL right now? Yeah, he might be the best defenseman in the NHL right Ooh, now. Better honestly. than Kale? Uh, no, yeah, I know. Kale, you always have to probably put Kale, but it's becoming <laughs> yeah. closer. It's almost like a 1A and 1B now. Right. And he's fun to watch. I I, um, I kind of said this going into the year when we were you know, doing our pre preseason you know future awards and talking about all this stuff like 
I, I really like uh, how he got named captain, and I think he just like seems like the guy that can just handle the pressure and stress of playing in a Canadian market and like not an easy city to play in in Vancouver. He's kind of embraced that role and putting the team on his back, and he, he barely spends any time in his D zone. He's always looking up ice. I think that Philip Heronik has been an outstanding trade for him. Um, I didn't think much of it. I thought they overpaid when they got him, but uh, it's clear that he's been like the perfect partner for Quinn. And they, like I said, they don't spend a lot of time in the D zone. Quinn's always moving up ice and he can finish. He shoots a lot of pucks. He's been a lot of fun to watch this year, guys. It has been a lot of fun to watch him. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the Oilers as well. They do get the big come from behind yes, uh, victory yesterday against the Seattle Kraken. What have you seen from Leon Dreisaitl the last little bit here? Well, he's playing a lot better hockey, first and foremost. I think um, in situations like this, you really need a guy that the team can kind of jump on their back and go. And right now, that's not Connor. And, um, you know, quite honestly, he's not playing the best hockey that he can. I don't know, you know, what's going on if uh, if he's, you know, carrying an injury with him. But in situations like this, you need a guy that the team can kind of just jump on his back. And I know from, you know, being in that locker room, even when he was young, when he was going, like everyone just kind of follows. And I think the most public thing about Leon that everyone knows and sees is that he really wears his heart on sleeve and shows a lot of visible frustration right like the body language isn't always good the mannerisms after something doesn't go his way aren't good but he's been clutch for them the last couple nights and you could see it's his passing ability that stands out among the rest able to find guys all over the ice and uh had another good one last night i would love him to clean up some of the some of the negative energy that he carries, but mm. in situations like this where you need some offense, um, he's been outstanding the last couple of nights. Have you seen any tangible changes since the coaching change? Honestly, not really. I think uh, the penalty kill is one of the only areas that I've seen, and I don't even know if that's head coach, to be honest. Like Mark Stewart, yeah. who's behind their bench, who's going to be working with Paul Coffey a lot, on the X's and O's stuff, uh, Mark was a great penalty killer for Winnipeg, a really tough guy to play against for me. I remember he used to make my my life hard. Not that I was on the power play, mind you. This was five on five. But uh, he'll be leaning a lot uh, on Stewie for, for that stuff. Um, but, you know, small systems changes I've seen that maybe, you know, not everybody else would is just small stuff like pushing two forwards off neutral zone draws. You can tell he wants to be a little more aggressive and he wants guys to close harder. I think you can also see that he, he wants guys to skate more. You know, you see D, more D jumping up here, uh, but I don't think you're going to notice too many tangible changes uh, for, I don't know, I want to call it maybe four or five games. After this road trip, I think you'll really start to see um, the effect of some of the things that he wants to do and the way he wants the team to play uh, be made. Luke, how hurt is Connor McDavid right now? And I don't know what's going on with him. I, I, I was on the side for, uh, you know, a long time there, and I want to call that maybe just a couple weeks, but just saying that I wasn't even sure if he was hurt. Maybe he's just struggling, and maybe for the first time in his career – He's going through it right now. But last night was the first time where I kind of was looking around with my coworkers on TV saying something's not right here. 
you can just tell he he usually loves a big wind up and comes through the neutral zone, wants to beat guys one on two, one on three, and then he always likes to take that puck hard to the net and come across the ice, come across the crease, and he's getting to those areas and he's drawing guys toward him, and then he's moving it, and that's one major difference I see in him, and that's okay, right? He's starting to starting to use guys around him a little more, but a, a couple winces and. I don't know what was going on going into overtime there too. So they had enough time for the guys to get a breather. And the first shift in OT sends out 2D. He sent out Bouchard and uh, Ekholm with Leon. But mm-hmm. if you were watching the broadcast, he went down the bench and had a quick talk with Connor and said something. And Connor did not start overtime, which I thought was very interesting. But um, I, I'm, I'm thinking more and more now that he – he's hurting with something. Something's really nagging him. Uh, and I'm not sure what that is. He's just trying to kind of trying to grind through it. Wanted to ask you about the flames as well as we kind of make our Western Canadian swing here. Um, what have you seen from this group as things seem like they have maybe turned a corner, but all of this amidst a Nikita Zadorov trade request, all the guys talked about it again yesterday as they returned home from their road trip. What is the balance between running with this, kind of elephant in the room, you know, that being in context because he's like a humongous person, but also trying to win games at the same time. Yeah, I think uh, some of these agents need to stay off Twitter, honestly. Just put the drop the keyboard for a second. You're putting your client in an extremely tough place. Like, having to go back in the dressing room after that, like, I, I'm not going to lie, I didn't have anybody that I played with publicly ask for something like that and then have to be with you know him on a day-to-day basis but I can't imagine that's a good thing at all it's just a distraction that you don't need and yeah I think they have turned the corner in saying that but these young kids are are the guys driving the bus and the guys leading the way Connor Zary's playing some outstanding hockey um even Adam Ruziska Martin Pospisil these guys are really getting a chance and an opportunity and um they're kind of you know leading the charge right now which is good and bad but I think he's uh, I think they're really showing some faith in, in these young players with all these UFAs coming up on expiring deals hanging over their head. I don't know what's going to happen to them, but the further we go into this here and the more games they lose, all this stuff just starts to build and build and build. But I'm a big proponent in having you know veteran guys in your locker room. And I think a lot of mentorship can be had with some of these vets that are there mentoring some of these young guys. So I don't know if they should jump to pull the trigger on too many deals too quickly or too early. Uh, but certainly on the, the door outside, it's just a distraction that your team doesn't need. If I'm a team that's contending and I hear that my group might be in the running to bring in not only one, but maybe Nikita Zadorov and Chris Tanev, what would my reaction be? Well, I think that's what we're hearing here in Toronto, right? I, I think uh, the entire discourse of, trading for defensemen here for the Leafs and the Brad for living um, connection is, is bringing in not just one, but, but maybe two. I mean, it's going to help your team a lot. They're going to have to pay a pretty steep price, I'm guessing, but I like what both those guys bring to the table. I think Nikita has his flaws, right? He, he, you know, makes a little bit of a blunder every now and then in the D zone, but when you have a big guy like that that can skate and has a bit of offensive ability and more, most importantly, uh, a bit of a physical edge to him, 
uh, that that's going to help your team. And even a guy like Tanev, like I've been a huge fan of Chris's for, for his whole career, just the way he plays very quiet, mild mannered guy. You know, he gets himself in some trouble too, but he's just a steady, solid vet. That's going to help any team. I just would love to look at the price tag of what, what Craig Conroy is asking for these guys, but Heck, the Leafs need D-man here in Toronto. We need uh, anything we can we can get. I say we just because I'm here in Toronto, but um, it, it's definitely going to help any team's back end. Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, the Mitzoff podcast, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Um, can you help us try to figure out what's going on with Jonathan Huberto? Do you have any answers? Do you have anything for us, Luke? Because we just... <laughs> Like, it's just like the thousand-yard stare you. watching that guy play right now. I, I wish I could help you. I think it's one of the things that we talk about most off-air and even obviously on-air sometimes. It's just it's tough to bring negative energy to the screen. But when we're you know prepping meetings and we're, we're watching games, it's constantly trying to find storylines. And with me being an analyst now, I'm, I'm cutting a lot of tape and a lot of film and video and and trying to break down and figure out what's going on with this guy. And it's truly an anomaly for me. I, I, I understand there's a change first and foremost, when you move conferences, I was a guy that went from the West to the East. I went from Edmonton to New Jersey and I could never pick up to the pace. That's just me being quite honest. The breakouts were different. Everything was flying out of the zone. It was North, South fast to speed hockey. And it took me multiple games to get used to the pace. And ultimately I ended up in Albany because I really couldn't figure it out. Now he went from the East to the West and it's different hockey. It's more slow coming up together. It's um, a little less pace, um, more together and a little heavier, but I mean, it's been, it's been a year now, right? It's been a year and, and a quarter, almost a quarter of the year. And it just seems like he's just off. And I don't know if, you have to bring in guys that can play with him or you try him with every single guy, but they have, I feel like they've tried him with so many different line combinations and sometimes it's just on the player to figure it out. But guys, I don't have an answer either. It's one of the strangest things I've seen in terms of a guy, what do you have? 115 points, the point production drop and just the general demeanor is it's kind of sad to watch, man. I actually feel for the guy because it's, a market that you guys live in that he cannot escape from. He's got to sit in front of the cameras and answer questions every day and every night after games. And uh, at some point, at some point I even feel bad for the guy. Um, you, you say you cut a lot of tape, you watch a lot of film. What is he doing? That's been positive. Is there anything? Uh, I mean, he's starting to like, he's starting to move his feet a little better. And I think that's, uh, it sounds cliche, but that's literally one thing you have to do when you're in slumps is just get skating, like at least get skating, get moving. I would love him. I would love to see him shoot the puck a lot more. I think he is a pass first guy, but he's got to just shoot the puck more, be more of a driver. And I know that's not essentially his game, but drive the puck more. And and I would just love to see him be funneling way more pucks to the net because you just never know what's going to go in. You never know what's going to happen when you throw pucks on net. Maybe he's going to get a couple assists, a couple goals, but I'm not seeing a ton of positive things other than him starting to move a little better. He's just forcing a lot of plays and coaches call him hope plays. You'll hear that term all the time, but you'll see a lot of hope plays from Jonathan Huberto 
thinking that a play might be there and forcing it rather than just making it happen yourself. You mentioned out in Toronto, a lot of discussion about the defense and and what can be added for this group. Um, Who is... Who are the key guys on that blue line that stay in the lineup if they're looking to add? Because this has been something we've talked about for a long time in Toronto. Got to upgrade the blue line. Who are the guys that come out? Who are the guys that need to be replaced on this blue line right now? Who are the guys that need to come out of the blue line? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you there's one uh, Swedish defenseman. He wears a single-digit number. His name's John Klingberg, who's been getting it real hard here in Toronto. Um, He just doesn't, you know performed up to the standard I think that team that the team has wanted I think they expected a lot more better offensive output from him Uh, I don't love to rip on the guy I feel like you know here in Toronto there's been this history of a whipping boy usually on defense that that gets it from all angles but you know they still have had some good guys I think too on the left side I think Morgan Riley has been outstanding Jake McCabe was hurt for a bit but but plays a really hard-nosed game and I know you guys uh, are very familiar with Mark Giordano throwing down on Saturday (laughs) night and for a guy at 40 years old that I I think a lot of people thought he was going to be that guy that's like we can't play this guy anymore he's you know, can't skate, can't move. He's been a bright spot for me, man. He's 40 years old. This guy's still blocking shots and fighting and doing the little things. Um, been a surprisingly, you know, a good, uh, good player for them back there. The John Klingberg thing I find interesting. Is this an example of how Leafs fans are very aware of their own organization, but not necessarily outside? Because I think a lot of people... Um, understand that this is what John Klingberg has been for multiple years. Yeah, I think there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, I don't want to say hype coming in uh, when they signed him, but they did need someone, a quarterback that first power play. And that's the reason they brought him in here, right? Is to be an offensive um, player for them. But if anyone would have checked the game notes, this guy leads the league in plus minus in the last, I believe it's five years. He's minus 86, something around there. Um, I mean, I watched him play in Anaheim and and in Minnesota, and you know he's he's struggled for a little bit now. And I don't want to make it sound like he's been the worst player ever. There's some really bright spots. I just want to see more engagement from a guy like that. And he's not the most physical guy, so obviously I'm biased towards guys that play a little harder than him. But I think it's clear that his best days have passed him by. I think the Dallas John Klingberg, and I was with that Dallas organization when they drafted him, and I watched him turn pro with the Texas Stars, and um, that that John Klingberg has passed by. He is still a very able defenseman. I think he's just got to keep it a little more simple than he's playing. Um, but like I said, it, it's always been his own zone that has plagued him, and I think you're seeing a lot of that be exposed right now. How realistic is it that William Nylander might lead the Leafs in points this year? It's becoming a very realistic possibility. This is contract year Willie. It's the best hockey I've ever seen him play. This is a game of shinny for him right now. It's pond hockey. This guy is perennially a player that I ripped on all the time. Like I, I didn't love his battle level. I didn't love his compete. He had great skill, but like I talked about with Hubie was, was a guy that forced a lot of plays and tried cute stuff, but 
he's playing well, playing confident. And you can see he's got the puck on a string right now. Seems like every night and every shift, he's creating offense in some way. So I think Austin will probably be up there for the goal lead. But in terms of points, you know, you could be looking at Willie being right up there uh, in the number one slot. Is he just a different cat that it doesn't matter where he plays? Because he just doesn't really, he's so cool, he's so calm that he plays in the gigantic media spotlight in Toronto. The dude's in his puffy jacket on the subway just chilling out before the game because maybe he doesn't get there as early as he should. And then he goes out there and continues his point streak. Like, is there more a chill dude in the NHL than William Nylander? (laughs) Honestly, man, I used to see this as like, almost arrogance. I used to think he was like this really cocky kid. And then I kind of started paying more attention and he's just so unbothered. Like I've, I haven't, I don't want to say ever seen a player in a market like Toronto, Montreal, any, any Canadian market be so unbothered by the media and just, you know, it almost seemed like he doesn't care. And a man of the people riding the TTC down to the games. I absolutely love that. I'm a big subway guy myself. Love jumping on the train. And uh, to see him kind of buying into Toronto is is pretty cool. But just so unbothered when it comes to games and and the way he thinks and speaks the game. Um, I, I've, I've honestly become a fan of his rather than uh, not being uh, his biggest fan the last couple of years. Um, out of, uh, again, this is a, a thing we've talked about heading into the year. Out of Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa, are any of those teams going to make the playoffs, Luke? Oh, I, you know what? At the beginning of the season, I was a big Ottawa guy. I thought out of any of those three that it'd be Ottawa. Now it's looking like the Wings, but I'm not sold on the Detroit Red Wings. I think they're going to slide. I think they'll be right out of it. Buff? Buff with Paige Thompson being out now, they're struggling. Guys, I don't think any of them are making it, honestly. I I look at the way Florida's playing. Um, I had no idea Boston was going to be playing this well. Uh, I know Tampa's struggling, but when they get Vasilevsky back, it's game over. Uh, They will compete again. Um, If any three of those teams make it, oh, it's, it's just so hard. I want to say Ottawa because that was my team from day one, uh, but they got to be a lot better. How ridiculous has Boston been this season? It's crazy. Like, it's just like this next man up mentality. I thought, you know, they're going to lose Bergeron and Krejci, the heart and soul, not only of their center ice position, but their locker room. And then you got guys like Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka stepping up to, to fill the minutes. And they bring in these vets like JVR and Kevin Shattenkirk, like aging guys. They lost half their offense with, you know, Taylor Hall and Bertuzzi and all these guys. And somehow they're still managing to do this. And I know a lot of it's goaltending, right? Like the, that tandem they have is keeping them in every game. But I, I, did, I just had no idea that at this point in the season, I know it's still early 15, 16 games in or whatever, but that they would be tops of the Atlantic and showing no signs of regression whatsoever. Uh, is there any chance that uh, Patrice Bergeron's like, actually, you know, maybe after Christmas time, Luke, you know, like <laughs> Man, maybe, you know, like, you know, February, all of a sudden he's skating at the practice rink. He's like, ah, maybe give this a little shot. Oh, I would love that, but I think his body is probably so banged up after everything that he's been through. I think he is happy to be just chilling. 
but man, I would love to see another run with them. Is is that the number one destination in your opinion for Elias Lindholm? Boston. Yeah. Oof. You know what? I hadn't even heard that yet, but I absolutely love that. I think uh, a guy that could probably use a change of scenery right now and a team that, although Coyle and Zaka and these guys are playing well, could use some help at center. It works for sure. If they can make the numbers work, I think that'd be a great destination. Uh, Luke Gazdick, NHL on Sportsnet, host of the Mitsoff podcast. Luke, always great stuff. Thanks for this, pal. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Luke Gazdick on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. So the Red Wings, Sabres, and Senators, we talked about them heading into the year. None of them are going to make the playoffs? Like, here's the thing. Like, watching the Sabres early on in the season, even before Tage Thompson got hurt, he looked like a different guy from the year prior and was not nearly as effective. Yeah. So if that was going to be the case and he wasn't going to score 50 and 100, well, all of a sudden they were in trouble. And then you start going down the lineup and Okay, you get to the Ottawa Senators. Well, they can't find a save for a lot of the time this year. Moving things around, they've struggled to get offense going times too, but for them, a lot of the problems have been between the pipes. And then for Detroit, was that the third team we were also talking about here? Yep. Detroit? I actually think that they've got a legitimate chance. They had an outstanding start and have kind of regressed to the mean a little bit here, but even then, you got to think that they built up a little bit of kind of good faith and little pile of points there in the first bit of the season. They're at 18 already, 8-5-2, and two, but they're only 4-4-2 four, four, and two in their last 10. So he's he's not far off the truth, but I would really like to see some new teams do something in the playoffs in that division. Right, and it's going to be Toronto, Boston, Tampa again. And Florida. And Florida. And Florida's going to probably be a wild card. Yeah. Um, Greg Millen, NHL Great. on Sportsnet analyst, former NHL goaltender, straight ahead at the top of the hour. Uh, but first, uh, out of major Canadian cities, uh, we'll start with you, Maddie, and then uh-huh. uh, you, Patrick. Which one's the most boring? The most boring? Yeah. Ooh. That you've been to. That I've been to? Yeah. Well, that's easy. Three hours up the road. Okay. Most boring city I've been to. Yep. That's a major city. city. That's a major city. In this country. I've been here, and I definitely can attest to this. Um... I'm really thinking about it. You are really thinking wow, about okay. this. Regina? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, apparently, um, the city dubbed as a great place to take a nap is our nation's capital, Ottawa. Oh. And for somebody who's been to Ottawa, yeah, it sucks. Oh. It's a boring city. Oh. Shuts down at 5 o'clock. Yeah. Byward Market. It's over. Got to go to Byward Market. Okay. That's where all the parties and are And there's at. a stupid highway right in the middle of the city. It's a bad scene in Ottawa. The rink is like way in the middle of nowhere, and it's the coldest walk in the NHL. Hmm. Good luck walking to the rink in Canada. Well, apparently, we know it's a government town. So apparently the city of Ottawa is uh, trying to hire somebody to, quote, be a nightlife mayor, nightlife commissioner, or night czar. (laughs) They're those, trying those, to find those titles feel like they do different things, but okay. They're trying to find somebody uh, to take over Ottawa and make it more fun. <laughs> what are some of the suggestions that you think could make Ottawa more fun? Here's one. Oh, cheaper drinks. Oh, that's one. Oh, well, let's go to Quebec. Um, yeah, I don't. Well, know. you can't. I don't know. I've never, yeah, well, I don't know if I can't. <laughs> you but can't you drive. Should I probably shouldn't go to Quebec, and I probably shouldn't have told that story. Yeah, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> but um, I, what makes what makes a good city, in your opinion, good restaurants, good night scene? Ottawa has neither. 
I like good restaurants for they sure. They have Lone Star Cafe in on in on. I've been like, there. I've gotten to the point where like the night scene, I'm like, you know, whatever. I, I, like, I like some things to do for sure, but I don't need to be out past midnight. Can too I just much say anymore. this that I have noticed? So back home in Ontario, mm-hmm. the the vibe of going out and having drinks is starting to dwindle. Here, it's still alive and robust. People here want to go out, want to spend time with one another, want to go have a good time. I have noticed a stark difference on how people want to go and have drinks here opposed to back home in Ontario. And that's a credit to the city of Calgary and Albertans. I have, who want to have, a I good have time. very little context to offer on this. That's what I mean. But, but you, I have noticed that a lot, a lot of restaurants, a lot of bars back home in Ontario shutting down. People just aren't going after COVID. Hmm. Here, people are going more. People still go. Stampede's ridiculous, and that's just for 10 days, and I understand all of that. But just in general, I have noticed, and I could be way off on this, people just like to have a better time here than back home in Ontario. It's just and way, that speaks volumes for Albertans. It's just because we're way more community-based. That's what it is. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ottawa, the city uh, that's dubbed the best place to take a nap, Mm. Wants to hire a nightlife mayor, a nightlife commissioner. Like I got some ideas. Czar. Okay, I've been around the track a couple of times. I think okay. I've, I've, I've got some things that can work. I don't know what pinatas. Yeah, <laughs> no what? No what? No. <laughs> you obviously no. need more restaurants. Okay, more uh, clubs. Okay, get more of the electronic music in. Sure. Get more the, of the uh, PST hip hop music in. Okay, well there's that. It's very expensive to go drinking in Ontario. It is. It also, like, I don't know, there's something tax. about just being in a city that is the, the heart of the nation with all the politics and everything where I'm like, I just don't want to. This and it's also freezing. This feels like the place that, like, if you get in trouble, you, like, you really get in trouble. Like, they yeah. really lay down the law My Uber driver got pulled so over in Ottawa. Really? Yeah, because he was speeding. Yeah, see, like, really? that That yeah. feels like that shouldn't happen. Hmm. I feel uh, like the so Uber been driver... To Ottawa. I've been to Ottawa. Yeah, Although, I don't think it's boring. I've, I enjoyed my time there. I was okay. there for three days. I loved it. Oh, wow, look at you. I hate when Ubers. I like the history. Park on I, the road. I like history, so yeah. there's a lot of history there in Ottawa. Um, Greg Millen. Um, I wonder what his take on Ottawa is. No, we won't ask him. He Let lives there. Like, Does he live in Ottawa? Pretty sure he lives in Ottawa. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, now I got to ask him for sure. Well, don't don't quote me on that. He might he might have something to do with Ottawa though. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we ask him? Well, yeah. great. All right. We'll do that next. Can't Big wait show. to learn. Wow, this is such good. Russell Kimbrough, Sports at nine sixty. The fan.